<laughs> Recorded on February 15th, 2022. Episode 8, War on Schools. Welcome to the Push Ahead Podcast, the podcast that's all about pushing the political conversation ahead, not pushing back. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Pamela. I'm Shelby. <laughs> we got that out of order. Let's do that again. Sorry. Hi, I'm Jamie. I'm Shelby. And I'm Pamela. And we're here to talk about not saying gay and election updates. Yeah, lots and lots of things to talk about. But first, we got plenty of elephants in this room that we need to clear out. I'm all for clearing elephants out of any room that they're in. I like donkeys. Just as a quick update. Giuliani has announced that he is going to cooperate fully with the January 6th committee. But I wanted to highlight that citizen pressure on the January 6th committee is a major component. So there are citizen groups out there that are pushing on our Congress critters who are investigating this, and they are continuing to feel the pressure from these civilian groups. Good. These citizen groups. So just as well, a which kind of pressure? I mean, good pressure. good pressure. Okay, because at the same time, we've got a guy running for office in Palm Bay who today or the other day was interviewed by a group down there and said January 6th doesn't bother him. Well, it was legitimate political discourse yeah. according yeah. to his party. According to, yeah. As an update that citizen pressure and writing your Congress critters, giving them calls, letting them know, that works. At least it works on one thing. Well, yeah, it works on our side. If you want to push your politicians ahead, that is definitely possible. Wait, wait, wait. Back to that elephant. I missed that Rudy Giuliani has said he's going to cooperate fully. Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I think he's a liar, but it's I, still something. Yeah. I I'm, think he's desperate. I mean, he just went on the mass Singer. Yeah. yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know what full cooperation from Rudy Giuliani looks like and if it's actually a help or a hindrance, right. but he's at least announced his intentions to not go the way of Steve Bannon and impede the whole. I'm actually kind of shocked they all haven't said they're going to cooperate fully and then just tried misdirection because that's what they're so good at. That was what I believe Flynn did, right? Um, and Meadows Met is where, still doing misdirection. Yeah, where they said they were going to cooperate fully, and then it came out later that their tips ended up stalling the FBI. Although, I don't know if Giuliani is smart enough to do that. <laughs> like Shelby said, he went on The Masked Singer. You know, two hosts walked off that show. Yeah, in protest of him. Phew. Yeah, I mean, I've seen his hair run down his face in protest of him. <laughs> so, Giuliani, seriously, dude, you deserve... A happy retirement, but you have picked something out for yourself that is so much worse. He could have, after 9-11, he could have retired and... Been loved, loved by everybody. Yeah, he could have been a beloved public figure from a traumatic, defining point in American history. And now he's just going out as the dude who booked the Four Seasons <laughs> Lawnscaping Company. Yeah. You know, it's so funny, though. It kind of terrifies me even more because he was so rational seeming. I mean, I have friends who worked on his campaign that which is worse, somebody who sells their soul for pure political fodder or somebody who really believes Donald Trump is the second coming. Like, the, and I sometimes think that's Rudy. The true believers are always scarier. They're enough. much scarier. Yes. Like at least Mitch McConnell's like he's just He's there. He's wackadoodle on his policies, but he's legit. Like, he really believes that he believes. He's and turtle man. Mitch McConnell will do anything for power. That has well, been- for power for his party. For himself. You think? Even more yeah. than his party? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because McConnell was always- 
kind of against Trump. Yeah, he still is. Like he literally said that because, January 6th was a violent insurrection. Because him. he recognized that even though Trump was bringing his party way more power and a larger, more involved base, he found that Trump wasn't bringing him power. He was actually siphoning yeah. power away from McConnell, which is why McConnell is still anti-Trump. You'd think everybody else would have acted that way, too. But instead, we get the people that said he was crazy then kissing his... I mean, he must just have dirt on all of them. Well, they're all sycophants to him. Yeah, I just yeah. I mean, I, I swear, Lindsey Graham got a call from Russia saying, hey, we got this crap on you and yeah. you well, have to be nice to Donald Trump. Well, Lindsey Graham changed his tune after spending about two and a half hours on a golf course with Donald Trump. Yeah. So... I there's something there. I, yeah. I mean, I just want to say, Linz... We all know. We don't care. Uh, well, hey. whoa, whoa, whoa. We well, all know you are gay. Yes. We kind of would care if you had a penchant for um, young intern boys. Yeah, if, yes, we would care. But if, we don't care. Like, If we heard that you were into little boys, we might take umbrage. But I honestly think I mean, his base would care if he weren't. They would just not be happy with him being gay. The State Board of Education is looking to raise the minimum teacher salary to 47 or 47.5. Well, and actually, but, I pulled that up yeah. because, like, I have issues with that. First I of all, there's too. wage compression everywhere yeah. yes. in, in our teaching processes. But also, that actually is not new. They're actually just voting to do what they said they were going to do two years last ago? year. Well, the first time it was the first time it was voted was two years ago, but last year it was literally forty seven five hundred per teacher, and it didn't happen. So they're actually not voting to increase teacher salaries. They're voting to again promise something that they may or may not. I mean, teachers aren't. Stupid. They know better than this. And I understand that. And there's no guarantee of raises for any teacher that's been there over. Well, what causes the wage compression that I don't think I fully understood until I took on this role now is when they raise all teacher salaries to 47.5, that includes the new teacher who just graduated from college and my daughter's father-in-law who's been teaching AP calculus for 15, 20 years and has a master's degree in education and has been teaching in schools for 35 years, he added AP 20 years ago, and doesn't make much more than that now. Yeah. So, you know, we wonder why there's this huge vacancy while we're telling this veteran teacher who has been through the war with us, who's been through 40 kids in a classroom in spite of a constitutional amendment limiting class size, who's who has seen us ignore calls for safer classrooms, who has seen us send guns into schools, who has seen us say COVID's not a thing, just die on your watch, who has seen those that we're saying those veteran teachers don't deserve the respect that I think that they do. Yeah, if you're going to give a raise to the starting salary, you need to give a raise to everybody. Yeah. And it needs to be commensurate. Yes. Yeah. So, I, and they deserve the raise. Yes. Let's be clear. So I had a conversation with my son-in-law this week, last weekend, and he's an education policy. He has a PhD in education policy. And he's like, no, if your teachers aren't making enough money, that's on your county. They're not negotiating with the union. I'm like, except you don't understand how Florida works. The Florida state legislature says you get to decide teacher salaries, but you have to follow these rules. You can't pay this person more than this. You can't pay. You have to pay this person at least this much. And, and they have forced wage compression and then blame the school boards for it. Well, it was Mr. Rick Scott who made education a nightmare. The only reason I voted for Charlie Chris for Senate that one time is because he actually did stand up for teachers. I mean, the reality is I was raised in public schools. I was raised in public And the first schools. political act I ever did, and the only one I did for 30 years, was a, teach, a student walkout to protest teacher salaries. So teachers have never, in my experience in Florida, 
been given the respect for the profession that they are. Right. We were starting to have steps under Chris. He was making good strides. Yeah, he cared about education. He still does care about education. Yeah. But now, thanks to Chris and being merit-based. Not Chris. Scott. 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 Well, didn't Jeb Bush start that? Please clap. Oh, poor Jeb. Well, hopefully our current governor will follow Jeb Bush's footsteps and fall in his face when he runs for president. Nice. But, you know, he did take away testing. I mean, we don't know what's coming next afterwards. It's actually going to increase testing. Oh, God. It's just not going to be called what it was. It's actually going to put more onus on our teachers. The reality is that the GOP is determined to unfund our public schools and to make it such an untenable profession that people leave it so they can drive people to for-profit charter schools. Yep. I know. Real quick, a little bit of bad news. (laughs) What's the bad news? The bad news has to do with Trump. A little bit of background. Trump was illegally removing documents from the White House, 15 boxes of it, flushing down, violating an act of Congress. So a lot of people were getting excited online saying, oh, the rule of this congressionally passed law says that anyone who removes, destroys, doctors, alters, um, whatever... Uh, documents from the White House shall be either fined up to a certain amount or imprisoned for up to three years, or, and this is what people are getting excited about, unable to hold public office in this country. And a lot of people were looking at this like, this could be our This is it. It's our golden ticket. This is how we're going to keep Trump from running again. And a little bit of bad news about that. Oompa Loompa. Yeah. Trump, sad, sad trombone, womp womp. <laughs> uh, the issue is that the act was passed by Congress, but the criteria for what it takes to be the president is defined in the Constitution, and the Constitution su- supersedes any act of Congress. So if someone tried to hold Trump from running for president again under this action, he would be, he would win in the Supreme Court. Without, but a, again, from the political point, mm-hmm. it would certainly be harder to do. It would be really hard to do it from jail, and, and it would be very hard to do from a messaging standpoint of saying, you know, you've broken the law. The Constitution defined how you can run for office, but the laws are here, well, and so you you've broken the law. Yeah. Well, then so, how did Boebert and Gates and all of them get into power in the Congress when they've had oodles? oodles of issues with the law well so their party I believe, does not care I, I believe that the courts are indicating that cawthorn may be able to be held ineligible for running again that was one good news yeah out of north Why? carolina north carolina because he participated in the insurrection yes he participated to a they've degree. actually proven that he participated oh he's there's there's call logs there's he yeah. did personal tours the day before he, well, i mean a lot of them did personal tours but they've now been able to link him to yeah, okay so, cool yes. so it's not final but there's enough court precedent right now that should someone sue for an injunction to keep him from running right now, it's likely that the courts would hold and cool. prevent him from running it until this case ran its way through the courts and there was a final verdict. So that's not going to happen with Trump. Okay. And finally, hopefully this is our last Omicron <laughs> update. Yay. Yay. That would be nice. I'm not burning my masks because, you know, there could be another variant. I'm going to wait another year. So I, this is not. Plus, I have some really cute masks. I'm going to bring them to y'all. By the way, we are together again after COVID. <laughs> but I got some masks. I'm going to bring them next time. Should okay. I tell you? I'll just bring them. Are they baby Yoda? We have like eight of those. They're, no, they're, they're flamingos. flamingos. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, this is not the last COVID update. 
I'm not. Just last Omicron, right? Last Omicron. Hopefully. Yes. So nationwide, I just have some figures for you. You probably aren't hearing this through your regular news channels. So I I, I feel like it's my duty to inform you that <laughs> essentially nationwide this week, the daily reported new cases fell by 42%. The deaths, which lag cases by a certain mm-hmm. amount, also fell by 8%. So that means that we are nationwide behind the peak. And I know hospitals are. That's how I always look. Hospitals are actually rescheduling things that they had. Oh, you have hospitalization. Yeah, hospitalizations fell by 22%. But in Florida, we are still a little bit like we are maybe at the peak because deaths rose this week. And Florida does not. It is not easy. And they do not want you to report when you take a home test. Right. So all four of our cases were unreported. According to the state. So I will say, and this is not popular with my party or with our public state, I am no longer in our current environment with Omicron looking like it is. I I still mask if it's for somebody else's comfort, mm-hmm. but I may walk into Publix and not don my mask. I walked into Target without a mask. There you go. I'm wonderful. just like, I'm fully vaccinated and boosted. If you're not fully vaccinated and boosted by choice, now I know there are people that don't have that choice, but the latest thing hey, is hey. said it was it was taken from us. We caught it. <laughs> well, I mean, they, my, the rest of my family caught it. And the latest study, I was like, if you are super immunocompromised, then you should mask and or potentially even double mask and the rest. And so I just keep following the science, and you know, I never nobody ever wanted masks forever. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because the local Republican mouthpiece or mouthpieces keeps trying to say that that I've been pictured without a mask. I'm like, yeah, I'm outdoors. I have never asked for everybody to wear a mask. Yeah. I've never asked for everybody to wear a mask anywhere. Let's be clear. Yeah. Oh. I have asked that, that until vaccination was available, that we all mask indoors. Yes. And then when vaccination was available, that we all mask where we are with people who could not be vaccinated for at the time. This is in August. Kids 12 and under. And now I would still say five and under. But I've never asked for it outdoors, ever, never have, never, never. Nobody in our organization has. And anyway, they're just crazy. Yeah. And so for people who try to criticize you for saying, oh, you pushed us for a mask all this time. Uh, hey, every time that your car comes to a slow and comes to a halt, you unbuckle your seatbelt. <laughs> we are in the unbuckle your seatbelt phase of this current yeah. COVID ways. But I still have the seatbelt. Yeah, it still exists. And I've been really consistent. Like from the beginning, I said whatever science says. Yeah, and yep. so next time that things speed up, let's buckle up. I'm not throwing away my masks. They're they're going to come out at during the future wave when the science says, hey, masks will help. I keep my children masked in school because it cuts down on a lot of colds. Yeah, I mean, I really think we've learned a lot of good things. about. That's something people keep talking about, kids and masks. My two-year-old grandson... No problem. We we celebrated my birthday. We were in North Carolina two weeks ago and we went to the Biltmore. He had his mask on the whole time and he's just like totally, well, plus it was really cold. So it was nice to have something warm, but he's totally cold with it. Like the, when we leave the house, he wants his mask on. I just think people make a big deal out of something that was really just a consideration for other people. Yeah. To be fair, one political party has based yeah. its platform on being inconsiderate of other people. Yes. So but this is good wine. Update on our local elections, because I promised you guys I would show you how the sausage is made. And uh, that's my role, right? Mm -hmm. So we currently have, we're expanding in our municipal elections. We have a city councilman in Coco's filed for re-election. That's Alex Goines. We'll have others. I know we have Democrats in Rockledge that are up for re-election this cycle. um, All over the county, soil and water. We've got some people running for that. 
which is actually much more important than you would ever think. Because that's what keeps the runoff from going into the water, right? Well, it's actually a statewide thing. Like there, soil and water is it, ours is only Brevard County, but it's a statewide initiative uh, on keeping healthy soil as well um, to protect our. You know, Florida's a swamp. Let's be real; yeah. nobody lived here two hundred years ago. There's a reason. Well, the Seminoles lived. Seminoles here. lived here, um, but they were brought here. Mm. So four hundred years ago. Okay, regardless. <laughs> so. But we have, drum roll, you can add a drum roll, we have a new school board candidate for school board district two. Oh, thank Bob. And school board district, <laughs> and school board district five. So they both, when all the anti-masking conversations started at the beginning of the school year and the crazy people were coming and yelling at our school board members, and actually this started last April when... Moms for Liberty made an issue about LGBTQ guidelines being re-released to our administrators and teachers. The guidelines that were put in place under the last administration were simply sent out to remind teachers and administrators, hey, we've got tools to support you in this effort. And Moms for Liberty decided that was an like an abomination. They were being oppressed. And the chair of Moms for Liberty, by the way, voted for these guidelines to be put in place when she was on the school board, Tina Deskovich. So all of that was last April. People came to the school board and were, it, it was truly one of the most, I, I was bothered for three days. I didn't sleep that night because I went and walked the gauntlet of these people screaming at me and screaming at each other and screaming at children, calling children pedophiles because they were gay, calling children pedophiles because they were supporting gay people. It was horrific. And calling, I remember- Hold on, hold on. I, I got to let that sink in. Calling children, children pedophiles, yes. Pedophiles. Well, they were children calling children pedophiles, children well. with megaphones. Calling other children, you're a pedophile. They don't understand. So, okay, okay, okay. I'll probably edit this out. But according to the GOP, the only people that children should be loving are GOP politicians. (laughs) (laughs) And selective ones. So they shouldn't be, children shouldn't be pedophiles in the eyes of the GOP. That makes sense. It is shameful for them to not be loving uh, Lindsey Graham. So here's the point about whole anti-LGBT movement in schools is we think it's cute when our three-year-old son, three-year-old shot boy, has a crush on a little girl. We call it a crush because he likes her company. We think that's cute. That's his little girlfriend. Oh, yeah, because according to them, she's a friend who's a girl. Right. But a three-year-old little boy who likes spending time with a three-year-old little boy is sex. We don't sexualize relationships in and opposite gender, we only sexualize relationships in same se- in same gender relationships. Democrats don't. GOP do. Correct. Thank you for reminding me of that. The, these, that's what these people are in their mind. They're seeing every relationship a child has, if it's a same gender, um, that it has to be sexual. Not understanding that it's the same thing. It's their affinity for a human yes, being. because my son wanted me to paint his nails purple. That automatically made him gay. Did you? Yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, no, but it didn't, she didn't automatically make him gay. That was, that came later? <laughs> that, yeah. So, it's the anyway. It's agenda. It's, it's right after brunch. <laughs> so all of this, when I was going to the school board meetings, a group of people that did not know one another, it's where I met you, mm-hmm. was coming together to school boards to defend our public schools from these anti-LGBT conversations and from the anti-masking conversations. And I would just pick people out of that group. And I'm like, you guys need to like talk to each other. You should probably create something here. And it really became this grassroots, literally a grassroots organization. None of you knew one another. No. And from that group, 
I found people and I said, you need to run for school board. Kimberly Huff mm-hmm. in school board district five and Aaron Dunn is running for school board district two. They are phenomenal women, strong. Um, and it's so funny because isn't Aaron, a FSU Aaron was graduate? a teacher. Hmm? Isn't she an FSU graduate? Yes. <laughs> she is a Seminole and she was a music teacher mm-hmm. in schools. She left because it was just not, she makes more money in private teaching and can provide better for her family right when COVID was an issue. And she's really fighting to defend our schools. There are three far right candidates fighting to be the furthest right running against her. And Kimberly Huff has, of course, um, Randy Fine and the crazy people. Kimberly's running against Katie. So she's got a lot more attention on her because she's running in the Southern part of the County where Randy Fine thinks he owns everything. But they're great people. And one of the things that they're really fighting against is the Don't Say Gay Bill, which is, I know if you look it up, it doesn't exist. It's what we call it. And so tell us a little bit about what you think about that bill. protect the gay children because we're just not going to discuss this. Well, I'll literally tell you what Katie Campbell said about that. Katie said, we don't want to affirm children for something being wrong with them. To which Jennifer Jenkins said, yeah, Jennifer Jenkins said, there is nothing wrong with them. Yeah, we're, You we're saying not. they can't talk about who they are is affirming that there is something wrong with them when there isn't anything wrong with them. She obviously didn't have any gay guy friends oh. in high school. Have you met Katie Campbell? I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. I don't think she has any gay friends now. Or any friends? She might have friends. Maybe. I'm sorry. You hang with the gay guys and the parties are awesome. <laughs> the drinks are awesome. But regardless. You get great fashion advice. So this don't say gay bill is literally going to send kids back in the closet. I had a conversation with my daughter and she's like the least political human being on the planet. She's a kindergarten teacher. And we were talking politics, but she said, you know, mom, I've had kids come to me and say, I'm Susie today. or I'm Susie now. And she's okay. I'll call you Susie. She said, because we're there to serve the student. We're there to provide an environment where they feel comfortable so they can learn, Mm -hmm. get rid of any barriers to their learning. And then she said, but sometimes Susie says, but I'm only Susie here because I'm not safe to be Susie at home. Oh, no. yeah. And I said to my daughter, person, you could, if this bill passes, you could be sued yeah. for, for calling student Susie without telling students' parents yeah. that Susie wants to be called Susie. Oh, now. yes. Let's tell parents that our children are gay when... Well, I mean, again, imagine the environment where I walked through these people screaming at me and spit, spitting on me and calling me a pedophile for supporting the gay community. Imagine if one of their children is gay. Mm-hmm. They're, they will be thrown. I mean, as it is, you know, suicide rates are, are tremendous in our were... gay community. Homelessness is huge with the gay community because they, they run away or they're, they're kicked out of their homes. Yeah. And so we are now, this bill that Ron DeSantis is proposing will literally send kids back in the closet and opens, it's kind of modeling it after the Texas abortion bill, opens it up for any citizen, not just parents, to sue school boards if they think the quote unquote gay agenda is being pressed on there. I can't make somebody understand what I believe and I can't make somebody understand what is true, but I can fight legislation that makes it harder for children to learn and to live. I can fight that legislation. I hang out in a lot of online spaces. I, you know, a uh, very, very online person. And isn't that where the gay grows? Well, so yes, um, 100% <laughs> that. I was having a conversation with someone and, and it was like a group conversation in kind of a semi-public space. And someone made a comment about, you know, there's a lot of LGBT 
plus here. And someone made the reply, and it really stuck with me, is we hang out wherever we're not chased away. Yes. And so this law is a way of chasing them out of public schools. Recently, and you guys want to talk about the the bulletin board board in one of our high schools, like it was gay, straight, allied, had a bulletin board in the hallways, you know, basically saying, you're welcome here. And kids, some of the students, and one was found, tore down that bulletin board and replaced the words with, you are not welcome here. Um, And then they taped all sorts of horrible things on the wall opposite that bulletin board. And when the the students in GSA took it to the administration, they were told, well, you know, you knew that was going to happen when you put that up. Oof. Yeah. So today they met with the principal and within an hour of the meeting with the principal, the bulletin board was torn down again. The one they did identify because they have cameras on the bulletin board so they can see the students. One of them got one day in school suspension for what really truly amounts to a hate crime. They, yeah. they turned, yeah. they tore the pride flag out of a teacher's classroom and burned it on YouTube. Yeah. Imagine what would happen if someone defaced a federation of Christian athletes bulletin board. Right. Yeah. All of this ties into if this bill is made law that people will be able to sue the school districts that are currently underfunding anyway. And DeSantis came out today and said he supports the keeping of $200 million in funds from the 11 school board districts that voted to put a mask mandate in place because he didn't like it. And so we're already underfunding our schools. Let's not make it possible to sue them. Wage compression to begin with, we're really, truly going to destroy our public schools. But we are going to have two women joining our school boards, uh, joining Misty, who's running up in District 1, who are going to fight to to protect our public schools. Mm -hmm. Um, They'll be going to Tallahassee, if necessary, to to fight with our legislators and to fight for everything they can get for. Because people always ask, well, what can school boards do? They can lobby their legislators to make sure that they get the tools that they need. So Kimberly Huff. And Aaron Dunn, we can invite them on the show if you guys want to do that later. Yes. They just filed. They are currently in the petition process. We just sent our petitions for Oh, good. Kimberly. And you can sign a petition for the two of them no matter where you live because it's redistricting here in Brevard County. Mm-hmm. They'll also need lots of money because they're expensive races to run. So if you want to donate to them, you can find their websites. And, and I'm sure we'll put them in the show notes. And Phil Moore's current election, bring up to date on that. There was a group in Palm Bay called Brevard Patriots or something, and they invited, oh, no. yeah, and they invited the candidates to come speak, and he went because you know Phil's brave. So I, first, I, oh no, he did great. Yeah, I'll share this with you later, probably. Uh, but uh, I'm a vet mm-hmm. and ex-Republican. I don't know if I would show up to any organization run by quote unquote patriots. Yeah, Phil did great. Yeah. However, they, they asked him about a lot of things, and he did so well. Talked about the things that he's got in mind. He's got some really good things. He only right. It's only an eight-month position, so it's only so much you can do. Mm-hmm. His opponent, his primary opponent, he has three other opponents, but really everybody's looking at him and Peter Filiberto. So Peter Filiberto is running for the same race, and he keeps talking about his fiscal conservatism, and he paid $3,000 in taxes, so by golly, he thinks that we should get our money for our worth. Well, his father... <laughs> actually served time in federal prison for tax evasion. Oh, boy. Fun point. Former mayor of Palm Bay. Sins of and the father. So I think it's really important that we elect somebody who has a history of, of uh, transgression in the city. Also, Filiberto spoke right before Phil, and we have the video of that conversation, where he said BLM is a terrorist organization. And when asked about January 6th, he said, I don't have a problem with it. It was, he literally said it was peaceful. Legitimate Which, political discourse. Yeah, I don't think he used that term because I don't think he knew that term because right. he's not that smart. <laughs> but 
You know, law enforcement, true, honest to God, to your heart, law enforcement will find that abhorrent because their guys died, right? They yes. were beaten by their own Blue yeah. Lives Matter flag. I, I mean, exactly. I, yeah, if this keeps going, I am going to go legitimate political discourse on some people's faces. Right? <laughs> so, but this is what Filiberto literally told this oh, organization. No, that's called rioting that, if you're a Democrat. Um, that, that January 6th was totally fine. Anyway, that's where they are right now. So Phil's meeting with voters. We are currently ahead. I hate saying that if Republicans are listening to this. We are currently ahead in the mail ballot returns by there's about a four and a half percent voter turnout so far, which honestly is great for nothing but mail ballots in the special election. Okay. And we are ahead by about 111 votes, which doesn't sound like a lot. But again, we're only at four percent voter turnout. We cannot let that rest. Yes. We're going to be creating a phone bank next week to follow up with everybody that has a mail ballot that hasn't voted yet to make sure they return their mail ballots. And then we'll be out knocking the doors again and doing door hangers the first week in March. What is phone banking? How can you get involved? Thank uh, you what's it like? for reminding me I'm using my speak. So phone banking is, we have tools. It's a real simple process. We used to gather in one room and everybody would make their calls together. You've probably seen video of that from the, well, actually, I walked into an Obama phone bank which time, which was insane in Chicago. Now we do them virtually. You can do them from anywhere or you can join me in the office, whatever. And we have tools set up that you just press a button if you're on your computer and it'll show you the voter that you're calling. We have a script written. You literally read the script. It's like, hi, I'm volunteer with our Democrats. How likely to support Democrats, generally speaking, if they say not very, thanks, have a great day, hang up the phone. If they say, and so you don't have to get into a fight with these people. Mm -hmm. If they say, oh, I love Democrats, great. Um, Do you know you've got an election coming up? You've got your mail ballot. Are you going to return it? Are you going to vote in person? That's the general gist of this next phone bank. It's painting a picture in that voter's mind of themselves voting. And you're just entering their answers either on your phone or on a computer so that we can collect that information. So we now know, don't talk to this person again. Do talk to, it's the most, it's so important because it helps us tailor down our goals for moving forward. Are you using your own phone or is it like VoIP? You can get a Google phone number if you choose. I use my own phone. I got nothing to hide. I don't care. But if you're uncomfortable with that, you can use a Google phone number, or you can go to the office and use the office phone. Okay, yeah, because I say that as a 954 phone number. So if people around here see my phone number, 954, a lot of scam calls come out of there. So I don't you, get a lot oh, of 954. So people used to be much more resistant because of out-of-area phone. But now so many people have cell phone numbers that we find that they're not avoiding answering for that. However, phone banking is very important. You also have to be super patient about the fact that you're not going to reach a lot of people. We might be leaving voicemail messages for this because we are only targeting Democratic voters. We're not talk- mm-hmm. talking to, if you help us, we are only calling Democrats. So we might leave voice messages, but generally speaking, we don't. It's just to hang up if they don't answer. Okay, cool. I can't wait to the general election this year so I can text my heart away. <laughs> so, all right, sorry for uh, derailing you. You were on a roll when I asked for clarification. Oh, was that? Okay, so I was saying, oh, things that you can do to support us. Yes. We're in the phone bank now. And it will be doing text banking, but that doesn't take a ton of people. You remember, we were talking to voters who had mail ballots. Mail ballots went out to our voters in Palm Bay on February 5th. So we spent that weekend leaving door hangers on the doors of every Democratic voter who had a mail ballot in Palm Bay. Just saying, return your mail ballot. That's why they're returning them. We are now moving beyond that. We're talking to every Democratic voter who doesn't have a mail ballot to see if we can get them a mail ballot for one thing, because having a mail ballot increases your opportunity to vote or actually increases your, your voting return 48%. So mail ballots are key, but they can't be the only thing. So we're trying to get more mail ballots in the hands of our voters. 
And then again, having them paint that picture of themselves voting. There is no early voting for this election. So they'll only be voting on election day, which is March 8th. So we're doing that right now through the first weekend in March when we'll be back doing door hangers. So I I will tell you the most effective thing we do is that conversation at the door. I know that strengths anxiety in the hearts of most people. And that makes sense because you spent your whole life being told not to talk to strangers. I ask myself, what gives me more anxiety? Knocking on that door or giving Ron DeSantis a bigger foothold into our county? Mm-hmm. For me, it's a no-brainer. And if that answer is still, oh, I don't know, then we'll move you to phone banking. So we'd love you to help us voter contact and we can teach you how to do that. The next thing would be phone banking and we can prepare you for that. And other than that, you can, on the weekend of what we call GOTV, get out the vote, which will be the weekend, the first weekend in March, you can either leave door hangers with, or you can drive somebody who's doing door hangers. That's the one time we really need drivers as well. So those are the, the most, the most effective is that conversation at the door. Second most effective is a phone bank. And then everybody can participate in GOTV. Okay. Editor here. This was originally recorded as part of our elephant in the room part. And we went so long on it. Well, I, I went so long on it that it became its own segment. So in order to keep elephant in the room short, and to keep the body of this podcast long, this is the segment that was originally there. Russia, Ukraine. Russia, Ukraine. Didn't your parents call you yesterday about this? My dad was curious, and I want to recap for the audience what I recapped to him. He asked me, is Russia going to invade Ukraine? In January, when everyone was initially worried, and I wasn't, people asked, I think on Facebook, someone asked, is like, is Jamie worried? Or so Shelby was like, Jamie, the magic ball. On foreign relations, I trust him over over all of the media <laughs> right. fodder. Okay, yeah. So let me kind of cut through the whole sensationalist news media reporting right okay. now. So the top layer of what you hear about today, tanks being pulled back. Russia said tanks are being pulled back from the front. Two days ago, Russia was saying that it was running exercises on the border. At the same time, two days ago, NATO reported that 11 tanks were stuck in the mud. So this is all posturing. These are all words. These are free. They are playing an international political chess game via their press releases based on what they can get the other side to believe, what they can get the populace to believe, how they can make themselves look more important or make the other side look less capable or less justified. There is a whole bunch of maneuvering. There's kind of an art of peeling back the BS the political propaganda that is being used as a tool of war right now. Because right now, wars are fought not with bullets first, but with words. And so every news release is a salvo. Right. So just kind of duck and cover. And here's my understanding of what's going on. Back in January, when everyone was like, okay, is Russia going to invade? Is Russia going to invade? I remember a post on Facebook and somebody said, are we about to go to World War Three?" And Shelby said, Jamie says no. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, All right. Yeah. And and this was why Um, back in January, because they would have had to have attacked with surprise in order to blitzkrieg like the Germans did. The fact that I didn't wake up to a press release about Russia invading the Ukraine meant that they weren't. Didn't they a few years ago? They invaded Crimea. And we all woke up. But what to... happened? There was something involving the Ukraine at one point. They there were posturing yeah. after that. No, no. Like there was like bullets. 
Yeah, there's always there's always because I be, okay. There's Sorry. always pro Russia and pro yeah. Ukraine. There's, there's but there, I thought there was actually a conflict, an official conflict, because from the Mary Kay perspective. So I know we'll get back to this, and you can do whatever you want with this. But we meet every year at a national conference, and we have presence in 26 countries around the world. And so our international subsidiaries work hard to earn the opportunity to come to our conference in the United States. And there's five conferences back to back, and usually two or three countries from each region come at the same time. And those are arranged years in advance. And I remember this particular year, there was conflict, and I thought it was a, an invasion, but what? there was armed conflict between Russia and Ukraine and the two countries that were representing Eastern Europe that were Russia and Ukraine. And so we were, our legal department was like, how is this going to go down? They were wonderful with one another. You know, you just look at that and you think their sons and their brothers and their fathers are killing each other. Well, it's a lot of posturing from... But this wasn't posturing. This was an armed conflict. So tell me. No, there was the Armenian conflict about a year ago, which was a proxy war between Russia and Turkey. Anyway, go on. <laughs> okay. All right. So Ukraine has been in conflict, low-level conflict and skirmishes for the past decade, I believe. Yeah. It's always low-level. Their active duty is getting more action than our active duty was. But for this particular extent. All right. So back in January, when people were like, are we going to World War III? And I was like, no. The fact that we didn't wake up to Russia invaded had meant that they were willing to posture instead of take advantage of surprise. Because the best time to invade a country is when no one's looking. And so now, since January, Ukraine has received shipments of weapons and shipments of gear, and they've received training and aid. And uh, U.S. troops nowadays are actually being deployed to Europe. So right now, the more time that the U.S. and allies and European allies and even Ukraine has to prepare, the worse things are going to go for Russia. That was a measured test on theirs. The fact that they didn't take advantage of it back in January meant that it wasn't going to happen in January. Another factor is that Russia has six seasons. Russia, Ukraine out there, they have six seasons. They have, let's start in spring. They have spring, summer, and fall, which we're all familiar with. And then things get muddy. And then before things get wet and things get muddy and then winter hits and then the ground freezes over. And then in a couple months right now, we are coming up on the end of mud season. Things Do you are think if there's going to be an invasion, it will be after mud season? It will be after mud season. That is the first window of a legit planned invasion. Which is April? Could be mid-March. Okay. I mean, it depends. Global warming. <laughs> And then there's another mud season after winter, and then they move into spring, summer, fall. Got it. Another complicating matter is that even though China and Russia aren't out-and-out out out allies, they are strategically aligned on Ukraine. Uh, so, editor here, I am deeply sorry for this mispronunciation you are about to hear. Xi Jinping is all in on letting Russia take Ukraine. But here's the complicating matter. The Olympics are going on right now. When you have autocrats, autocrats stay in power, maybe not with the wishes of their people. They've managed to secure the lanes of power to a point that they don't really care what public sentiment means, but they have to keep those who are loyal to them happy. And in this case, China has the Olympics going on. And if Russia pooed in China's Cheerios, 
<laughs> I'm bleeping that one out for myself. <laughs> yeah. If Russia stole the toy surprise from yeah. the Cheerios, that is. Yeah, yeah. So if Russia ruined the Olympics by invading Ukraine, he would anger his largest ally in the region yeah, who's strategically they're really, aligned. They're really strongly allied right now. Yes, but yes. they aren't full out and out allies. Right. Right. Like, so China would have the international legal grounds to hold back and say, we're not going to support this invasion because you ruined our Olympics. And that was going on at the time, too. So the window. For the invasion. You're not ruling it out. No, because let's let's peel back another layer because there's so this many layers. This elephant is fat. It is. It is. It's like an ogre. It has so many, so many layers. That was a Shrek joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's a, that's a 2000s kids. <laughs> no, that's not my, my nerd friends. Another issue is that Putin's Russia has been hit very hard by coronavirus. Not only by the disease itself, because their political stance against the virus was deny, 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 and rule everything out and not take any proactive measures. Sound familiar? Right. (laughs) Yeah, so COVID blew across their populace like a wildfire. And if you look at the published numbers on excess deaths, it is radically out of line of actual reported COVID deaths. So over the past two years, a whole bunch of Russians died. Of pneumonia. But not of COVID. Yes. They died in excess of normal causes. Right. But not of COVID. So I don't know, just regular routine deaths just kind of ticked up for no reason at all Mm -hmm. in the past two years. Nothing to see here, folks. Yeah. (coughs) But they were never a particularly strong economy. They're primarily oil-based. That's the foundation. And they have other economic sectors. But the state of California has a larger GDP than Russia does. They are a player on the world stage through ego and posturing only. And they were hit super hard. So imagine essentially a GDP of California stretch across a landmass a size and a half of the United States larger. It's not going very far. And he is feeling that. His supply chains are stretched super thin. He's facing economic crises. And the money lanes that are essentially keeping him in power are a threat. So he is using this this war as a final put up or shut up moment. Because if he can use this to solidify his base as a justified military action that gets the support of the populace, he's going to ride that wave as long as possible. And then retire, because he is almost 70. So he's kind of an old man with a whole heap of money that he just wants to sit back and relax on. But Isn't the pro- he rumored to be the wealthiest person in yes. the world? Um, I have, Putin. Yeah, Putin. Uh-huh. I have read several reports that I technically not credible, because I can't credit them, but are believable that he is potentially the world's richest man. Huh. Bezos so, must be so pissed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So the question is, is the ego of the world's richest man going to let him bow peacefully out of public office and fend off assassins for the rest of his life? Or is he going to ride this military action in one last hurrah, which he's done a couple of times in the past and never seen any negative retributions for? You know, though, you got to think of motivation. I don't think he's motivated by money. Clearly, he's got power. No, he he wants power. And why would he retire? It's, It's like... Putin is an incredibly smart man, and he's a student of history. He knows that the only successful dictators or autocrats 
are the ones who die peacefully in their sleep. He's read about everyone else who's fallen off the road up until the point that he's at. So oh. he's like Trump, but smarter. So anyway, back to the original question. You're not ruling out war. No. Just not immediately. Correct. Putin knows it is going to suck for him if he invades, because right now the Ukraine has the political will to put up a fight, a guerrilla war. Yeah. They, and, they love their country now. Yes. It's theirs. It they is. formed their own political party and won. Yes. A, a political party formed out of the ether and swept the elections. Like that would be like a third party appearing here and sweeping elections in a single year. I, I believe it was like a year and a half. Which could have happened when our country was that young. Yes. Well, no. Well, I mean, granted, we yeah, we had the Whigs and we had right. the Federalists. We were and... a bazillion parties during that. I mean, Ukraine's how old? Mm, well, okay. So Ukraine is Ukraine as an independent country. Okay, so that happened in 1989, 1990. Yeah. So yeah. It's a 32-year-old country. It's a 32-year-old. It's, it's a 32-year-old country with millennia of history. Yeah, so my my thoughts are that if I were a betting man, I'd give even odds to will they won't they? The more interesting yeah. bet in my opinion is how concerted the effort is. So what do you think the United States should do? If the invasion happens, mm. you know, a lot of people hate this. A lot of people really do despise the Imperial's playbook. But I think that we need to gear up for a good old fashioned puppet war where we aren't officially entangled in it. We're hoping to contain it, but we're also supplying funds through. I'm hoping not cocaine this time. I'm hoping well, we I mean, don't get Ukraine. another Iran Contra. Yeah. yeah. That neck of the woods, they do have plenty of their own stuff <laughs> but we can't just turn a blind eye no if no they, if they're invaded upon we as the country that stands for freedom and independence can't just um let that happen stand uh, yeah I, I well it's going to Especially depend. if it's because we're going to invade you because you might let them into your alliance someday yeah which is the public facing comment so you know we stand for the country's independent ability to make those decisions for themselves. It's it, not like we're going to defend them and say now you have to become a party of NATO. We're just saying it's, we're well, defending it's, your right to say what you want. It's going to depend on what happens in the first forty-eight hours yeah. because if Russia strikes and they strike smart and they strike hard, they are going to wipe out the infrastructure. But not only that, uh, they are going to send scouting missions and take out every anti-tank nest hidden in the wilderness. People hiding with an anti-tank shoulder-mounted rocket, if they manage to clear enough of those people and essentially get a firm enough strike to push everything out and essentially subdue the resistance in the first 48 hours, we're going to have to go another Crimea where essentially it's like, oops, no, Russia, don't do that. But if it looks like that they fumble the kickoff. And we can win. Yeah, then. You're going to be editing this for days. I am. I am. Because we're 23 minutes in. (laughs) You put Russia and this is an elephant. In the elephant in the this room. should not have been an elephant. This no. should have been a topic. No. Should have been the topic. Dang it! Because okay. it's really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> but long story short, as long as he tells me not to freak out, I don't. I mean, and honestly, I don't know that I would freak out anyway. I right. think from the political standpoint, which is my role in this conversation, just knowing. Well, it's putting Republicans in between a rock and a hard place. Yeah. Do we support Russia, who's great with our guy? Or do right. we support the United States and their troops? Yeah. I mean, honestly, that, that has the average Republican elected official. That's not even a question for them. They will support Russia. Yes. And they'll oppose anything Biden does. I swear they would oppose him in cheering on the Olympics. But the average voter is a whole nother conversation. Right. So that's why I asked, you know, would we? And I think that the messaging in that is that we are a country that supports a country's 
independent ability to make decisions for what alliances they choose to join. And we would have to defend their ability to do that. I mean, how can we say, no, Rashi, you're right. We will never invite them to join NATO. Yeah. We'll never let them join NATO. I mean, like, we're only, first of all, we're only one country in the NATO conference. But that's the angle that Fox News and therefore their puppet party, the GOP, is going to take of how can we interfere in a sovereign nation's ability to choose? I would be surprised if Sean us Hale, not interfering in that war would be interfering in there. Yeah, I would be very sense. surprised if at some point Sean Hannity was like, the Ukrainians, they're, they're, they're Russians anyway. They want to merge back. It's like, they wanted to merge back. They would have voted to do so. They already. wouldn't be fighting. Yeah, they, they wouldn't would have be a pro-Russia go- government in power. Yeah. yeah, no. If 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 they didn't consent, why? But then if, again, Hannity also talks about the forced immigration of African Americans. Yeah, I mean, Hannity's a slime ball who's going to say that the Ukraine was consented because they were dressed that way in that part of the neighborhood. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they didn't want to get invaded. Those windows were broken. They didn't break themselves. Yeah. All right. That's going to be an editing nightmare. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> yep. We listened to you talk about the Ukraine for 30 minutes. Flag. We can talk about education. <laughs> Damn yeah. right, man. This is not cool. He gets to flag us whenever he wants. Woo. <laughs> well, he is the editor. I'm just going to, and that's true, I don't want to do that job. But I'm just going to say people vote <laughs> on education more than they do Ukraine. Yes. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it is the elephant out of the room. <laughs> editor here with the elephant out of the room. <laughs> Upcoming events? So upcoming events. A week from tomorrow is our Democratic Executive Committee meeting. All registered Democrats are welcome to attend. You can hear what our you can hear from some of our local candidates. I'm not sure exactly oh, who this, we've got. This drops on Friday. So okay. Upcoming events. Wednesday, <laughs> the fourth Wednesday of the month, Wednesday, we'll be having our Democratic Executive Committee meeting in the government building in Vieira in the county commission chambers, where we will be all registered Democrats are welcome to attend. You can hear from local candidates about local issues and find ways that you can be involved in supporting your party. And this is your party. I just happen to be the chair. We also, of course, have the efforts that we're doing to support Phil in his special election. And then we will immediately after that on March 8th be moving to support general election candidates. Now, school board races Right now, the school board District 1 race will be ending, and District 5 will both end in August, unless the third candidate jumps into those races. Mm-hmm. You can show up in Rockledge on Sunday for Lift Every Voice. It's going to be in the Rockledge Commercial Hub, and it's to support the local, it's for Black History Month, to support the local Black community. We're going to be doing voter registration in support of that community there, too. If you got something out of this and know of anybody who cares about what we're saying here, please share. Word of mouth is everything in the grassroots game. If we're awesome, tell a friend. If we're not, tell us how to get better. This has been another episode of the Push Ahead podcast. Please reach out to us via Twitter at push underscore ahead or subscribe to our podcast in your podcatcher of choice. You can find relevant links to the stories that we're talking about in our liner notes on our website at pushaheadpod.com. The music is Super String Theory by Lobo Loco.